you know, I like to say that sound techs are actually technical artists. There's a creativity that happens when you're at the soundboard and we need to name it and say, yes, this is a creative role at some point after we get it all working. Uh, and then, you know, affirm people in their creativity because right. so many people in our culture are afraid of criticism in their creativity. So then they right. never do anything. So right. we need to make sure that we're affirming, you know, people in their creative roles uh, and not making it so that it's hard for them to do stuff or they're afraid to try something because they're afraid of criticism. Hey friends, welcome back to the BoxCast podcast. I'm Gary, community manager, and I'm so very excited that you're here. First and foremost, thank you for tuning in and watching and following us. We're, it's, we're just very grateful at the fact that we have a really good community that's growing. And I'd like to encourage you that if you're listening to this podcast today and you're watching to join us on our Facebook live streaming for churches Facebook group. Um, it's a great place to get a lot of information. Usually we do a lot of exclusive details and content there, as well as we have a huge community that follows and try to help everybody out with everything. And you don't have to be a BoxCast subscriber. That's the cool part. You don't have to be a, an actual person who's involved with BoxCast. You can have any kind of organization. As long as you need help with live streaming, we want you in that group. So please go find us today. We'll have a link later in the description for you. So today's guest is a good friend of mine. His name is James Attaway, and he's with Attaway Auto. James, come on in, buddy. How are you? Hey, doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You look fantastic, by the way. I mean, this is perfect, man. Just a great video shot. I love this. It's taken a little bit of time for me to figure out how to keep my camera in focus. So oh. I'm glad I'm, <laughs> you know, four years in, I'm glad I've hit the stride on my learning curve. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that you do everything on your own and I'm, I am in awe and impressed with that. You do such a great job and I'm, I first and foremost, man, just thank you for joining me today. I'm, I'm very excited to get to talk with you. Um, I know just by watching and stalking you pretty much um, your entirety. I mean, you are an audio nerd. Like I'm very excited for us to kind of geek out over audio today. So yeah, good video starts with good audio. And That's true. Good lighting too, but you know we'll 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 focus on the audio today. One piece at a time, James. Yep. One piece at a time. <laughs> I want to interrupt this podcast to talk about our newest product, Sites. We've created a website platform that makes it easier than ever to get a website up and running with a few quick clicks. If you're a church that wants to refresh your website and wants an easy way for anyone in your staff to edit it, Boxcast Sites is for you. Book a meeting with our sales reps today to learn more. And now back to the podcast. <laughs> well, James. You have an awesome, impressive YouTube channel, um, Attaway Audio on YouTube, who sports well over 60,000 current subscribers and followers. You have 150 videos and you are just, you're blasting it out. Now, the one thing that I've noticed about your content is that you're not very mainstream when it comes to a lot of the mainstream tools that a lot of people are using nowadays. Um, so what I, my first question for you is why is that? Uh, you know, I like to find the path less traveled. You know, there's plenty of resources out there on, say, the X32. And that's awesome. Those resources don't need to be duplicated. You know, what's the, you know, what's the new path out there? Or what's the next thing that's going to really, you know, change things up? Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I really appreciate, you know, I've got a PreSonus Studio Live Series 3 console at the moment. You know, I'm not like brand loyal to the point where like I will never mm. change you know but <laughs> I've been able to explore a whole lot of stuff on this board and there were things out there that people weren't making content about and features that were kind of hidden in the in the manual 
and I knew a lot of churches had them. I knew it was at a good price point. You got a lot of features for it. So, you know, getting the most out of it, out of, you know, when the making it do stuff that might take, you know, an extra three grand on top of the console to do mm -hmm. with another system, you know, you can use all the built-in stuff on here. So for say like uh, using plugins live, you know, that was a, uh, a thing that I was like, I got to figure out how to use this. And it doesn't have traditional inserts and it doesn't have card slots so that you can stick, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like a Dante card or a waves card in it. But how can we do this and make it happen? So kind of figuring out the non-traditional passer, finding the, the, the little things beyond kind of the standard feature set. That's what I like doing. So, uh, you know, serving churches that have, uh, you know, not an X32. I, you know, I love the X32. I love the M32. All that stuff is great. Uh, but, you know, trying to, to navigate through the little things on the stuff that people might not have explored otherwise. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I would. And I think that's the, the cool thing about a lot of your content is that you, you go a different way with it, which is really cool. Um, I mean, I've seen you do all kinds, like instead of using waves and waves plugin stuff and showing how to do that, you actually, you go a different direction with it. Right. And I like that. I like the fact that you're showing, uh, you know, the programs and the features of other, you know, softwares that are out there that are, that can accomplish the same goal. It may take just a little bit longer, but it accomplishes the same goal. You know, you don't have to spend, you know, $10,000 on software and plugins. You could spend less than 500 on it and still achieve what you need to achieve. But it just takes the knowledge. And I think that's the cool thing about your content is that you're teaching how to do that so that people aren't, I wouldn't say, stuck into an expensive venture that requires a lot of knowledge to do. So that's, I, I, I give you kudos, sir, for taking the road less traveled. Thank you very much. It's people like you that make us make us look good. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's the gear between the ears that's the most important. You know, you can, you know, you can have a pro that walks up to an old Mackie analog, you know, whatever console. Ooh, and yeah, through the fundamentals, you know, yes, the noise floor is going to be high. Yes, it's going to get scratchy when you move that one pot. But really, the the most important gear you know, happens between your ears. So mm -hmm. uh, the more I can dispense that knowledge, you know, the better. And on the flip side, there's a lot of people that have great gear, but have no idea what they're doing. So that was the the real thing is like the price of everything has come down so far and all the tools are at our disposal where we don't see a bunch of churches that only have that old Mackie analog right. board, you know, so the, there's, there's now options for having to learn compression, for having to learn how to EQ stuff for having effects at your disposal more than that one, you know, rack unit that was on the side there that, you know, <laughs> right. you either, you know, you turn up the reverb time and turn it down and that's it. You know, that's no, about all you got. Yeah. Uh, you know, being able to, to explore those other things and to learn the craft of audio, you know, that's, that's the fun part. You know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, when you can make all of it work together so that that worship experience is seamless or transparent on the audio person's part, uh, that's really the fun part is when people really get it mm -hmm. and then they can experience the same joy that I feel when I'm running sound, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's moving all the pieces out of the way so that you can just focus on what the message is. You can focus on feeling the way that the music should feel. And, you know, then it, it, it just works better when you have the knowledge. It doesn't just require the gear. It takes somebody knowing what they're doing to use it well. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the way you said that it's the, it's the gear between the ears. I've, we're going to steal that James, if you're okay with that, we're going to market that pretty heavy here. So hey, I mean, I got to confess most everything that I've 
you know, regurgitated <laughs> is something that I've stolen from somebody else. Somebody stole. Yeah, we're from in a else. trade. You know, it's not <laughs> like we're in. You know, like we're not like writing novels here. You know, right. this is a trade, and we have to learn from one another. If we didn't, we would be stuck back in the '60s. So, right, that's true. Uh, that's absolutely yeah, true. I well, like the gear of today. Well, that's there. You go. Well, the the great thing is even in scripture even says there's nothing new under the sun. So okay, we'll just go. We'll just go over there. We'll go with that. But yeah. So okay. So I know we've talked in you know in pre and you and I have talked before a little bit more about you and some of the things. So there's a couple of questions I have surrounding that. So first and foremost, tell me why you don't like blue mics or Amazon basic microphones. Uh well, there's. It's not really anything against any particular company or any particular like thing. It's just whenever I've plugged them in and I'm like, this isn't doing the job that I need it to do. Mm. And I need to do the job that it needs to do. You know, usually it's a vocal microphone that somebody bought and maybe somebody like really loved the way that it tailored to their particular voice. And then that worship leader moved on, but the microphone stayed. It doesn't mean you have to use it and you can try stuff. And I'm all about trying stuff. You know, you got to, to actually experiment with things to see if things get better or if you find something that's broken but you didn't know was broken before or it's you know cake you know your vocal microphone's headstock is caked up with spit so that it sounds funny okay those are those are things you have to experiment with in order to figure out what's working and what's not uh so you know i'll i'll dig through uh a box of microphones and see what works i actually found one set of microphones at this same church that had the blue mic that I ended up not liking. Uh, there were little condenser microphones out of shotgun shells that they had like repurposed what? and put an XLR connector in the, in the back end of it. And it worked. It was like, <laughs> this was not brilliant, but for, you know, a drum kit that's, you know, has no cage and I'm putting overheads up these microphones function. Wait, uh, wait. Just, so it, you know, it was a literal shotgun mic they were literal well it's not like a shotgun mic like uh, i know but i mean like i mean it's shotgun, shell, literal I mean... shotgun shell that had been oh my used, emptied out they put an xlr connector in the business end and then where the primer went is they put a little microphone diaphragm <laughs> it was crazy but it worked and and you don't know if stuff is going to work or if it's going to be terrible until you try it and so that's true yeah that that blue microphone and the Amazon Basics microphones, they've just never impressed me. So that's why. You kind of blow my mind right now with the with the shotgun shell mic. Like now, now I want to go try this. Like I don't know why, but I have this sudden urge to just go out and try this. I really do. Why why do I have this urge? <laughs> Listen, okay, listen, if I'm going to do it, we're, I'm going to do it for reals. This is how it's going to be. But no, that's that's an interesting thought, though. But okay, so basically, in your in your viewpoint, it's just it is they didn't impress you much, and because of that, they didn't have what they needed. You didn't get it, and you didn't have what it needed for you to, to succeed in what you needed to do. So, so that's that's understandable. I mean, I think we could come to big conclusions about a lot of things when it comes to that, right? Cars or houses or whatever, right? But that makes a lot of sense. I've just never been a fan of, of the Blue or, or Yeti microphones because I just don't like the way they sound. Um, they just don't have a, a clean, like a good clean filter for me. Like, it, you know, I, I like to put a lot of, a lot of effects. I like to put a lot of EQs into my stuff, you know, kind of do the human thing, make it sound human. I just, I've always had them be too tinny. So that's just my issue, especially like the newer, right. The N E E W E R from, from the Amazon company newer. Oh yeah. 
yeah, those microphones I've had to use them in, in, oh, so many applications as like quick gun mics, but like, you know, go, go and get it done. But they've never been, they've never been successful for me. So yeah, I'm with you on the same boat, man. I'm with you right there. 100%. So let me, let me ask you why, um, what is your, I, I know you, you, you take the road less traveled. So what would you say is your favorite console to work on? And what is your least favorite console to work on? Uh, by far, my favorite is the SSL live series. It doesn't matter if it's the L200 or L300 or L500. I'm, if I had to narrow it down, probably the L200, just because of the way the fader banks are mm-hmm. laid out. It's got three sets of 12. Sorry, I hit my mic. Uh, so it's got, you know, 12 faders in each section. So there's 36 right in front of you and anyone can be anything that you want, but it helps me like I can work quickly on that board. And the, the thing, like we tested out a bunch of high end boards, uh, for the international house of prayer, uh, several years ago, and we tested out different ones. We, you know, where you were on the Midas pro 10, we were on the, we tried the Digico out. We tried the SSL and, uh, can't remember which other ones we tried out. We tried out a bunch, but the thing, you know, that made me enjoy the SSL the most was the way that the workflow, I could spend less time thinking about what I want to get to and just get to it and do what I needed mm, to do. Yeah. So I got to spend more time in my feeling musical creative brain rather than in my thinking, wait, where does this and how do I get there brain? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the... The sound quality, you know, is exceptional. At that level, the sound quality on everything is going to be exceptional. Uh, but the way that I mix, I'm usually in the moment trying to like find little things that I don't like and try to to attack that really quickly. Yeah. So the SSL let me do that really, really fast. Um, on the flip side, for teaching specifically, uh, I really like the PreSona Studio Live 32 for one specific feature, well, two specific features. One, there's an A-B switch. So you mm-hmm. can make a setting for EQ and compression on a channel and then hit the A-B switch and then switch it up and then just switch back and forth, which is fantastic for yes. testing and showing people and trying to get their ear to like really capture yeah. what the change is doing. And the other thing that helps with that is that on each of the bands on the EQ, you can turn each one off individually. So you don't have to bypass the entire EQ in order to to get somebody to hear something. So if you're EQing a vocal and you need to have the low shelf on there to take care of the proximity effect, but you're trying to get somebody to hear what's going on in the high mids and like, okay, I'm cutting this frequency in the high mids. Okay. Listen how it sounds when I turn it off. Oh, that's Uh, really cool. That was that was really what really honed me in on this board was the ability to do that because of the teaching aspect. Because yeah, uh, one of the things I enjoy the most is really getting people up to speed where they have that aha moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, now I know what you mean when the kick should yeah. be the the punch and the bass should be the sustain. I get that level relationship now, or oh, now I hear that frequency that's been bugging me, but I just thought it was normal when it's gone now. Oh, I get it. Those right. are the moments that I'm really aiming for when I'm doing training, whether that's pushing up the fader the first time and getting in the right spot or learning EQ and compression and, and all of that. You know, kind of the the more advanced controls that for seasoned people aren't more advanced controls, but for the new person that's jumping on the team, they're advanced for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's that's cool because I mean, in, in the whole concept of things, like I didn't know that 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 those could do that. I didn't know you could turn individual bands off, which is phenomenal, especially for that teaching aspect. Uh, I didn't know that. So you you taught me something today, <laughs> to be honest, which is great because I wasn't aware of that at all yes. about that console. But yeah. So what? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, least favorite. Yeah. If it doesn't have an iPad, the Yamaha LS9. That okay, thing explain. is impossible to navigate to get to the controls you want. Exactly, it's the exact opposite of the SSL as far as workflow and like getting to what you want. You're on the little bush buttons, play, like hitting them around, yeah. and it's like you're playing Tetris. But <laughs> sometimes you you're like, I want to go to the knob that's like right here, so I want to get over to that so that I can spin my one encoder that I have, and I'm going left, but it wants you to go <laughs> up, and it, yeah. Not it sounds a fan. like you're really, yeah, it sounds like you're hating on it pretty bad there, buddy. <laughs> but the thing is, when it has an iPad, then it's okay. So I haven't been, uh, you know, you know, if you have a different control surface with it, it's fine. Right. If not, it's, it's just slow. And it's not right. anything like the, the sound quality is fine. The processing is fine. You get all the stuff that you need to get. It's just working around without a touch screen, without, you know, the, the proper way to get in and out of it it's a no-go for me yeah the, it's like they didn't think about the user when they were looking at the physical portion of it i mean the software is probably just really really great when you have the digital ui but the physical ui is like they didn't think about the user at that point so i, I totally yeah. get that totally understand that so well give me just like in and you know the fastest james attaway way possible give me the fastest information about how you got started and where you come from and why, you know, you're doing what you're doing today. Yeah. Uh, so I started on worship teams in high school and I started playing bass because we had plenty of guitar players, which means I got a lot of experience. And then I was also seeing like the big picture of the full arrangement. So as I was starting to get more into worship leading, uh, I would be making charts and making arrangements and, and telling people when to come in and when to come out big picture stuff so that the whole band could be awesome. More so than like me playing and singing. I don't sing that high. So my worship leading career kind of ended when I figured out like Chris Tomlin isn't going to start writing any lower. Uh, and so then I got into <laughs> audio in college. Chris uh, Tomlin's not going to write any lower. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Okay, That's I know. Good. I got to go off on this side note real quick. I thought about this gag commercial to make uh called baritone one instead of air one it's baritone one yeah and it takes all the cody carnes and the phil wickham and the chris tomlin songs and it just pitches them down by like a fourth so that guys yeah. that are baritones they can actually sing along and belt it oh uh, i love this idea oh i love this idea <laughs> we gotta do it no it's an yeah. app now it's totally we're gonna do it we gotta we, i got developers yeah. already on it man we're good. <laughs> great you do that part Okay. So uh, in college, I got into audio and I ended up kind of by accident at a school that had a music business program uh, mm. in Nashville, Tennessee. And I loved every minute of it. I was like, this is what I really enjoy. I love the technical part. I love the musical part. And I got to learn from like seasoned professionals that had been on the road with national acts that had mm. uh, been in the studio and recorded, you know, Grammy award winning artists. So I got to learn from really, really experienced teachers and, uh, you know, rub shoulders with a lot of guys that went on to do great things in the audio industry even now. Uh, so I got that professional kind of training and culture. Uh, and then I started in 
2008 at the International House of Prayer here in Kansas City, where they have 24-7 prayer and worship, which means they have about 14 worship teams that are full-time and they go yeah. around the clock 24-7 nonstop, which is awesome. It's fantastic to go read your Bible, to pray, to just be kind of in the God's presence for, you know, hours at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also takes a lot of audio people. And when there is not a skilled audio person at the board, it makes prayer really, really difficult. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, you can spiritualize it all you want, but if it sounds bad, people don't want to be in there. Uh, so I did a lot of coaching. I did a lot of training at the music school. I started a, a program for teaching students at the ministry school, how to run sound. Uh, and I did that for about five years. I ran a recording studio there for about five years. And then I was like, you know what? I could take this and teach churches how to run sound because a lot of them are really terrible. You know, not, <laughs> not dogging on anybody. I don't look right. down on anybody or any church that has really bad sound. It's just that nobody's taught them. And then suddenly the gear is accessible. Like we were talking about a minute ago, the gear is there. The potential is there. But the skill level is not necessarily there yet. And right. one of my core competencies is just teaching people. I can lay it out really mm -hmm. clearly, especially if we're in person, I can figure out like what somebody else is into and then relate how audio works compared to what they already know. Uh, and that's been uh, fantastic. And I did so much training and repeated myself so many times. I was like, I've got to start putting this on video. Yeah, <laughs> because I I would train somebody and I would then they would, you know, move on to another department and then I would train somebody and then they move on to another department. There was a lot of turnover and it's, you know, it's a big missions base. They do, you know, live broadcast with an audio person. They do front of house with an audio person. And there's a ton of other events around uh, the ministry that need audio people. So there's no shortage of need for audio people. And so I was always training and I was really tired of repeating myself. So I started figuring out how to film videos uh, and I did poorly at first, but you know, you got to start somewhere and those videos have taken off and you know, become what it, everybody now knows as the Attaway audio YouTube channel. So all the stuff that I learned on training people in the house of prayer context of walking up to somebody where their mix is kind of not great. And then being able to say, Hey, why don't you try this? Or it might help if that, you know, you did this on here. You know, but it's your mix, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you know, not, not being the pushy, like you can, you need to do it my way or else. Right. Uh, learning how to do that. I was able to, uh, to take all those little tips and tricks on what worked on, you know, 17 different guitar players. I was like, okay, okay. this is what I usually do to start. And it's, it's going to sound okay. Plus with 24 seven, there's no sound checks. So you just have the worship, you know, the old worship team stop and the new worship leader just starts playing and singing. And so you push up their faders while everybody's transitioning on and off. As the band comes in, you're just pushing up faders and you better go. So if you don't have a good plan ahead of time on what you want to do with your EQ, on how you're going to set up your compression, you're going to be trying to manage 15 different things when you need to really just be focusing on like making sure that the singers can be heard right now because it's time for singing and we we can't wait around for you to to fine tune the eq on the toms or get that guitar tweaked just a little bit more you got to just push the fader up hope it's right and go so whatever i did for preset there was really really helpful and just getting stuff like honed in like this is going gotcha. to work 
you know, 80% of the time and I'll deal with the 20%, but I would rather not have to deal with it 80% of the time. And, you know, let's get it moving because, you know, the prayer meeting is going to start, they're going to start leading worship and, you know, here we go. So that's, that's what I kind of distilled down into, uh, into my YouTube channel, a lot of my, my early videos, and then even my live mixing field guide, which I made a little, uh, paper book, uh, that people can keep at their soundboard for what starting places to listen for with EQ and compression and kind of like a, a step-by-step, here's what you do when you have this instrument, listen for this, listen for this. And, right. uh, so that's how Adway Audio started in 2019. Wow. Wow. Look at it. It's just grown from there, man. I mean, you've, you've blasted through on YouTube, you, you know, you're blasting through on those training videos. I do love your content. Um, I watch it frequently. Now I'm an X32 man myself. Um, nice. and I'm starting to slowly move into that, the waves. Uh, we just started working on some ways of implementing, uh, some waves plugins, um, into our workflow to kind of help some of our, uh, lesser fortunate vocalists. And, uh, <laughs> Well, I'm going to pause you right there. I'm, I'm just it's helping about really man. the vocalist's fault. Because That's true. When you're on a stream, it is putting their pitch on a microscope. Yes. Because yes. any little pitch deviation you hear through a phone or a laptop speaker because it's right. made to reproduce the voice and singing well is hard. So I don't, you know, you know, it's very rare that I hear a singer that doesn't need any pitch correction. Right. Uh, right. Or that it's like, oh, there's that, that note. It's it's rare. It does happen. But yes. I'd say the vast majority of great singers or really good singers that can really lead a room, that can really engage people in worship, sometimes their pitch isn't perfectly on. And the the pitch correction software just touches it up enough so that it's not a distraction. Right, you know, exactly. We just get to ignore that one part because we we've just made it right for them you know yeah. we don't have to to worry about that part we can focus on all the rest of the parts so absolutely well uh, i really just want to get up there and be able to start you know singing like chris tomlin so that's the only reason i'm really implementing this. <laughs> that's really the only reason i want to listen if i can't hit the if i can't hit the note then i'm gonna make the software make me hit the note. that's just how i'm gonna do this i mean that's, that's, that's I mean, an idea that's an idea, right? It does how yeah. it works, but well, the, I know you go more in depth on a lot of different things. Um, and I know that you, you know, again, road least traveled. And I love that. I think there's some other really cool things that you do in your, in your content. Um, you know, and I know that you and I have talked about how you believe that it's, a, you know, it's about the content. It's about what you're doing versus the presentation of what you're doing. But one of the things that you really struck me is when you were talking about is how those in in the production world for churches or ministry world for churches who handle media right and in full scope how they handle others in that respect so whether it be um whether it be complaints for example um from from you know sister so-and-so in the in the sanctuary or (laughs) maybe it is one of your volunteers who's having you know some struggling issues getting the concepts or or at least you know being well-versed in what you're trying to teach them. So I know that you handle some of this and I know that's part of your teaching aspect. So can you hit us with a little bit of knowledge about some of these things that you go through? Like give us just a little taste of what you, you would teach somebody about this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first thing that I tell people, even when they're brand new is somebody is going to be unhappy with your mix because when we have a bunch of people gathered and really what we're gathered around is, you know, we're, we're gathering to worship. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we have the same musical preferences. 
so somebody is going to be unhappy and you need to know who you're making happy. Right. <laughs> and these are preferences, not right or wrong. And so you just go with what your leadership team says that they want. Right. So you get right. clear about what, what it is that they want. And you, you go from there. So then you can defer, you know, like, because you're under authority, you can defer and say, Hey, I, you know, thanks for letting me know that, you know, that wasn't awesome for you. Um, I'll talk about it with the leadership team. You know, we've, you know, we have this, you know, these values that we want it to feel like this and this and this and this. Maybe we overstepped our bounds on that, but I'll check with my leadership team and, and see what they thought about it. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you answer to every single person, you are going to be driven crazy. You're not going to feel like you have any like authority to do anything because you're afraid so-and-so is going to come up and say, you know, like, well, you really like that base now, don't you? <laughs> uh, they feel it a little bit too much in their seat for their preference, or they think right. it's too loud because they never listened to anything loud in their whole life. And then suddenly church is loud and they're upset about it where you're also trying to reach young people who are, you know, like to feel other people around them singing, like to be able to sing loud without feeling like everybody. Right. Can hear it, right. So, so knowing what those values are really help you deflect a lot of the, internal drama of, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I made somebody not happy. You're just going to have to get used to making somebody not happy. Right. Um, yeah. And then even with like stuff, opinions within team members, uh, when you have that strong sense of value between, okay, this is our value and what we're going for. And this is how it should feel. You can separate that from particular methods of getting there. I tell this story mm -hmm. a lot in one time at the house of prayer, there was another guy mixing and it sounded awesome. I was like, man, this mix gets really good. So I walk up to his board and I'm going to tell him because, you know, we never get compliments. You know, we're kind of like the right. line in, in football, you know, <laughs> yes. like whenever, whenever we do our jobs really great, nobody tells us. So I make a mental note, like, Hey, I need to go tell him he, he did a great job. I walk up and I look over his shoulder at his vocal EQ and I'm like, there's no way you, you, that is so wrong. How do you do that? And oh, oh, that must sound terrible. But a second ago, I thought it sounded really good. So, so we can separate out the, the difference between, you know, the method, how we get there and, you know, what the results are, right? right. We're aiming for results. If you want to make your EQ look horrendous to me, but, the values of our vocals being clear and out in front are there. The values of our, the energy of the drums carrying it and the instruments just providing uh, support for the vocal, right. you know, like all the different things. When you have those clear, you don't really have to worry about how people get there. Then when there's a problem though, if they're like, Hey, you're not hitting this value. I, you've got a way of doing it. Why don't you try my way a little bit and see if it gets us closer to that value. Right. That way it takes away a lot of the like, well, he doesn't like the way that I do it or my, he thought my preference was wrong or he thinks I'm a bad mixer. It takes <laughs> right. away all that drama, you know, and when you can say these are our values and it was what we're aiming for, let's help you get there. The other awesome thing about the AB tool is, you know, being able to go back and forth and be like, okay, this is the way that you set it up for vocal EQ. This is the way that I set it up for vocal EQ. Which one is clearer? And we'll ask Joe Schmo beside us too so that we get a third opinion, you know, that way it makes it a lot easier to, to focus on what needs to be focused on and eliminate a lot of the drama. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I like to say that 
sound techs are actually technical artists. We're not just engineers that get all the stuff hooked up and properly, you know, synced and all the, the different things, you know, all the I's dotted and T's crossed. There's a creativity that happens when you're at the soundboard and we need to name it and say, yes, this is a creative role at some point after we get it all working. Uh, and then, you know, affirm people in their creativity because right. so many people in our culture are afraid of criticism in their creativity. So then they right. never do anything. So right. we need to make sure that we're affirming, you know, people in their creative roles uh, and not making it so that it's hard for them to do stuff or they're afraid to try something because they're afraid of criticism. Oh yeah, absolutely. See, I like the way you put it though. A technical artist, like that makes sense. And a lot of scope. Cause I mean, you're, it, there's one thing to have the engineering behind it, right? Like knowing how to put an XLR cable into a patch bay or how to actually <laughs> trust me. There's a lot of people who don't know how to do that, but yeah. like, you know, going as far as knowing the differences in, in cabling and what they're supposed to be done or, you know, effects and how to apply them. But like, there's also that there's a, there's a symmetry that's drawn with knowing the technical side, but then actually going in and manipulating and, and crafting something that is, you know, amazing sounding or brings out certain aspects of whatever audio you're pushing through, especially in a church atmosphere. Like I tell my, I, we have one gentleman, one kid, he's a great kid. He's learning really quickly and he's learning very well. And I tell him, I'm like, listen, this, this is how you think it needs to sound, right? This is how you need to, to do it. I'm, I've given you the tools to do it. I want you to craft it, but here are the things that we need to meet. So as long as you're meeting those, you know, whatever you bring forward is, is the tables, how we need to do it. And he's been killing it. Like, I mean, he's crushing it in that regard. So I like that technical, you know, technical artist thing. Cause I mean, even if you think of just like a, an artist with a paintbrush and a canvas, it's the same, it's the same concepts. Like they understand their medium, they understand their tools, they understand how to engineer everything, but then they go a little deeper and they go a little further with it. And that's where the creativity and the actual imagination comes out. I love, I love the way you said that. So does that, do you think all of those things, like you just said, do you think all of those things collide in with something that I've heard you say before? And it's that audio is a language. Absolutely. You have to learn how to talk about something to describe it, you know, cause mm -hmm. you know, when we're, when we're brand new, we're like, you know, we're trying to figure out which elements are too loud and too quiet. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's, there's nuance to it where, you know, maybe it's too, too loud, but it's actually just one frequency that's too loud. That makes it feel like it's too loud. How do you right. put language on that and then turn that language into a control on the board that you can reach out and turn when you understand what you're hearing and then put language to it. And then what that language means on your equipment, that's the skill that you're developing when you're learning audio. It's not just, I need to go through these steps and learn how to do these steps and do these steps better. It's learning how to, to listen and adapt to the situation. You know, right. you know, I was talking about why I, I like particular consoles so that I can hear something and adapt to it quickly. That's really the, the goal. And it's, again, it's, it is like a language because we're trying to express something or we're trying to communicate an idea. Uh, imagine you read a book and you're trying to, to summarize it to somebody else, right? The more command you have of, you know, your language of choice, whether that's English or German or whatever, you're going to be able to summarize that more clearly. And people are going to be able to understand, you know, when you learn the language of audio, 
you can hear particular things and then be able to fix them instead of just settling and figuring out, well, that's just normal or that's just the way that it's going to sound because I don't know how to fix that. Yeah. And so, so identifying something with your ears and turning it into, you know, words or feelings or whatever, but whatever that means that you've got to get it on the soundboard, then that's kind of the, the balance that you have to do over and over and over again. Right. Absolutely. Right. And I like, I like what you've said in the past too. You've also said that gear is not always, and most likely not always at fault. Like I've, I've heard you say that before, that it's not always the gear um, that's causing the problem. In fact, I've heard you say where it's 99% of the time, it may not be the gear that's actually at fault here. So do you think that if the gear is not at fault, it's just a, it's really a knowledge thing at that point, or is it less knowledge and more experience? Like where would you, where would you categorize that, that failure or fault to be laying in? Uh, I think, I think it's experience, but I also think it's, um, you know, a lot of people are tripped up by their setup right? The way that it was mm. engineered in the first place, um, where it, it makes it more difficult to finish something or to get something just right because we've added extra steps or there are other things in the way. Yeah. Um, you Road know, like blocks, if yeah. your, if your game structure is, is poorly done or all your, let's say you've got, you know, eight wireless mics, but they're all coming in at different levels at your board and you're having to adjust the preamps for all that differently. That's just like an extra step that you're just making it harder on yourself, you know, whereas, you know, when you go through and do stuff systematically and streamline it, then it becomes very easy for people to have a checklist of, I do this, 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 and this mm -hmm. to get it working. And then, you know, the, then we can get from that engineering part to the creative part after the fact. So really the, the setup is key and just knowing what's going to be simple for somebody. Uh, because I'm always thinking about that brand new volunteer that, that is just like only barely unafraid of touching faders. You know, they've just gotten into that. How do we set it up for them so that they can have success? Mm -hmm. When that happens, a lot of times things get really easy. Workflow gets easy, especially with digital consoles where you can recall a scene and everybody starts from this one scene where the game structures are worked out. There's phantom power on everything that needs phantom power. The monitor system is going to work, Right. When, when we simplify the setup, that's when a lot of these things don't have to be redone and we don't have to try to fix stuff. Yeah. Then, you know, after that, when you're trying to find problems, you just have to understand the system as a whole in order to pinpoint where that is. Like you can right. go to one patch point and be like, I'm going to swap these two. And then either the problem stays where it was or it, it moves to the new channel and you know where okay, now it's upstream of this or it's downstream of this. I know which way to go uh, to try to fix this and get right. a little better. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's, there's always that, I don't want to say there's always that like feeling that we have to make everything always easier, right? Because I'm, I'm a huge, I'm like a huge fan of baptism by fire when it comes to audio. I really am. Like, I really feel like, sometimes if you just want to learn it, you got to get in and learn it. Like you just got to start doing it and win, lose or draw, whether you, you know, you do great or you do terrible, you got to learn it. And the only way to do that is to get your hands dirty. Now, 
in the process. And I like the way that you teach because it seems like that's also some of the ways that you implement your teachings and your way of instructing those people is like, you just have to put your hands to the console and start learning it. But here's some of the basics and the fundamentals that you should know to get you into that position. And I think for me, when I'm like, when, and I keep coming back to looking at your content because I, I relate to it a lot. Like I relate to that a lot. And I know there's a lot of people who do, um, but it seems like that you put people before equipment, right? Like you, you, people matter more than the equipment does. And it seems like you're not investing more so in the equipment as much as you are as the person. Is that, is, is that something that would be like an accurate, like an accurate observation about your, about your teaching method and about your style of what Hadaway Audio is about? Absolutely. I mean, the, the gear beyond like the, the, quality differences that you get between you know an x32 level console and an ssl level console mm -hmm. in between there there's features that you might need there's expandability that you might need for channel counts but really everything that you need is there within an x32 you know before the x32 there was the yamaha uh m7cl right? m7cl so one... oh yes. yeah oh yeah i i think we still have one of those actually i yeah, think we it, still got and one and it's gonna run until jesus comes back you know like they're that <laughs> solid they're hard to kill uh yes they are yes, if you need to run are. sound after a nuclear apocalypse find an m7cl you will be gonna be to there go. that's right that's right it's the bomb shelter of audio equipment it really is <laughs> yeah it is so even that was like, you know, I think when they came out, they were like $25,000, $30,000, which was like way lower than everything else. But like everybody was amazed. All of a sudden I have every tool that I need. And mm -hmm. that was kind of the, the pivotal point. You know, not every church got a, an M7, but a lot of churches got into an X32 and all the tools that you need to make a great mix are there. When you get your speaker system right, when you get good inputs at your band, the console is not the weak link. And so spending more money can be fine. It can get you feature set. It can get you, you know, quality upgrades for particular things that you might need for your setup. But everything you need is in, you know, the, the run of the mill console that anybody can get their hands on. So right. it's, it really then becomes, you know, we can't blame bad gear anymore for most of the time. It's the person operating it that really matters the most. Right. Right. And that's the reason why it's important to invest in the person more than it is just the equipment. I mean, there's always going to be new equipment that we have to invest in or we have to upgrade or we have to buy because something's not working correctly. And it's the, it is the equipment's fault. But the investment that comes into the people, I mean, that's where that that's where you learned everything was because you you went somewhere and someone taught you. Right. And it's the same for me. And especially for our, you know, our viewers and our watch, our listeners and those people who go in and actually look at your content online or they watch our, you know, our troubleshooting tips about live streaming. It's the same con like we are the experts or we know what we're doing because we have this experience. And so we're trying to give you the same same draw. So and I like that. I like that a lot. So I think as we wind down here, James, um, I've had an amazing time being able to talk to you and just geek out a little bit about audio and teaching and that but i want to point everybody to one video in particular it's my favorite one so far and i think it's because it's the most practical it really is the most relatable and practical video that i've seen in a long time and that is how to get good audio levels for your live stream that that don't bust your ears that doesn't bust your ears and i think that that video 
really changed for me my uh, entire outlook on how to teach somebody how to do live streaming audio correctly. So I would like you just to take a few moments and kind of give me just a breakdown as to, you know, outside of your ears getting busted, what drew you to that video, making that video and actually doing that content? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I still get people asking about it frequently is how do I get my live stream loud enough? Uh, and you know, in live sound, we just turn it up till it sounds good and we, we move on. But when we have a broadcast, we've got dynamic range requirements that are a lot stricter. And it's not that anybody's like, you know, going to send you a notice in the mail. Like you, you know, your dynamic range was bad, but people just tell you either it's too quiet or it's distorted. And if you just send your front of house mix to your stream, there are a few enemies that you have that are keeping your live mm. stream from being loud enough on, you know, somebody's phone or their laptop or their TV. They feel like they've got to crank it up all the way and it's still not loud enough. But when you turn it up, you start seeing red lights and it's clipping. And so that's, you know, you, you feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? right. It's, it, you're, you can't turn it up anymore, but people say it's too quiet. So how do you, how do you get around this? And the first enemy that you have are the transients from the drums. So the drums to feel big in a live context, they need to be very loud, quick, and then go away. But right. if you listen to recordings, a lot of those transients are kind of squashed, but they're done so very carefully and in different stages along the way so that it, it feels like, oh, there's a drum there, but it's really not any louder than the guitars if you're looking at it on like your peak meter. Right. So figuring out how to deal with the transients is one of them. And then also understanding that your live mix dynamic range needs to go up and down. It needs to be quite broad in order to feel right, right? The quiet parts being quiet and the loud parts being loud. That's what makes live music awesome. And when we're in a big room all together, that makes sense. When we're in our living room listening on the TV or on our laptop, that wide dynamic range doesn't make sense because yeah. we're not turning up our TV as loud as the big PA is going to be in our room. So the loud parts aren't as loud. So then when the quiet parts come, that difference of level pushes, you know, what's going to be on the TV way too quiet. And that's why people are sitting there with their remote, like cranking it up to a hundred, mm -hmm. you know, and they're like frustrated. They're like, man, the preacher, the speaking parts, I can barely hear them and it's super noisy. And then the music comes on and I'm getting blasted. Right. So right. how do we take care of that dynamic range? And there's different steps that you can take with, different buses of let's say you you group all your drums together and compress them before they go to the stream and you group all your instruments and your vocals in different groups so that they get compressed and go to the stream and then the stream itself is compressed right when we mm -hmm. compress at the individual channel when we compress in groups and then we compress on our stream output each compressor doesn't have to do a whole lot of work they can kind of sit in their sweet spot and do what they're supposed to do and not get crutchy or uh, pump back and forth. Like when the, the kick drum hits and it pushes your vocals down, right? You don't want right. to have, have to deal with that. Uh, so, so getting stuff compressed in stages to take care of that dynamic range and take care of those transients. That's when you start to see more consistent levels on your live stream. And you can even do that with your live console kind of running in the background uh, on some buses there. So uh, yeah, it, it's a, 
a fantastic way to do it without having to spend money on a, a separate setup or staff another volunteer that has, right. then has a learning curve on how to mix for this. You know, I'm all about, you know, mixing, you know, in the box with plugins and doing all the fun stuff with the drum roll placement. That stuff's really cool. But if you're struggling to get somebody, a warm body behind the board at front of house, but you still need your, your stream to sound decent to good, uh, you know, that my, my system for setting up, I call it my multi-bus system uh, for mm-hmm. mixing broadcast from front of house. That's been super that. helpful for a lot of churches where they, it, it then becomes something that you fine tune week to week. And you mean, you know, like, Oh, you know what? We need a little bit less drums on the stream. Let me just turn down the, the drums bus and save that to our starting place uh, on our base scene. Then you get to iterate and kind of fine tune things over time where it just sounds pretty good and you get a lot less complaints. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and I think you just explained it and probably one of the most like logical ways that I've, I've ever heard. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot that we could say about live streaming and audio. Like there's a lot we could tell you to do like, Oh, you need to adjust the gain or, Oh, you should throw a compressor or limiter on, or, Oh, you should go matrix versus mix bus. Right. Like there, or do go to the doll, go, you know, go, go to the doll, like, go to go, go all the way to the digital station and do it that way. Like there's 15 different ways to, to make this happen, to, to cook this pie. But you know, we, there's a lot of times we just don't go too far into the nitty gritty. And you explain that in a very, practical and you know really easily understood way sufficient way to help make that a little bit clearer like there's some specific things and i do like the way you mix that i'm i'm still a fan of using a matrix send off of my x32 and just teaching people how to do it that way and then fine-tuning the, the house mix because we put priority over the house than we do over the live stream so that's kind of the way we do it but it's one of those things but yeah man i i really love that so listen it, this is just a taste Literally, this is just a small bit of information that you, the viewer and listener, can actually dive into here with Attaway Audio. So, James, tell me where and tell our, our viewers and followers here, tell us where they can find all of your beautiful content. And not only that, but where can they take courses and get information on how to actually do this better? Yeah. So, you know, like uh, Gary was saying, there's over 150 videos at YouTube.com slash Attaway Audio. Uh, if you want to search that and subscribe. Um, I'm posting there regularly, uh, and the rest of my content, all my courses, my newly published blog and, uh, some free guides that you can download are found at attawayaudio.com. So the, the, the guide I was talking about earlier, how to lead your church sound team, uh, where we walk through and make it really clear what the expectations are for how your audio should sound and how to find the right people to do the right jobs on your audio team. That's there, uh, you know, right on the front page. Uh, we've got, uh, a membership site with a bunch of courses. I'm actually rolling out a new one, uh, in the next month. Uh, it's called audio for worship leaders. So Mm. it's all the very basic stuff and all the very practical stuff, giving you a foundation for learning more without boring you with all the technical details and, uh, and jargon that's going to go over your head. So I'm I'm really accessible and really practical. Uh, we've got worksheets with it, you know, fill in the blank. I'm, I'm a teacher at heart. So yeah, uh, I was going to say, you definitely are. Yeah. So I'm trying to make it as accessible as possible. And there's other courses in there that detail the, you know, the multibus setup and, you know, broadcast audio, uh, and kind of your sound system, A to Z, you know, you know, all the way from microphone to sound source, all the little detaily things where you can just go in and be like, you know what, we got to set up some new wireless mics. 
what am I even doing with this? You can watch <laughs> a few videos and, and get yep. clued into that when you're ready. So the, the membership site is a great resource for that. And we have team options as well. Um, and then there's also a form there. If you want to, to have uh, me or one of my people come out and train your people in the same room, uh, in-person training, there's no, there's no substitute for breathing the same air and actually helping somebody get their hands on the console Absolutely. for the first time or Absolutely. figuring out the problem that they've been having for a long time and you haven't been able to explain it to them satisfactorily. Uh, you know, getting all those things untangled in person has been a real benefit for a lot of churches too. Oh, absolutely. Yes, there is. I will say there is, um, there is something to be said with having an in-person training. You know, um, I do, I love digital content. I really think it's a great medium. I really think what you're doing is fantastic. And all the other people that we've had on our podcast and, and all the other companies that we've had in our podcast and, and have talked to and partnered with, like, I think digital content is great. I think getting the, the information, down recorded and in and, and history book for all those people to see and use. I think it's great, but there's nothing quite like having an in-person conversation with also having an in-person, you know, consultation experience. So yeah, I did not know that you did that. Um, I'm actually, see, you've been teaching me all kinds of things today, James, all <laughs> kinds of things, man. I'm really grateful for that. So, well, listen, if you're a Facebook fan, um, again, our Facebook for live streaming churches group is a great place to get some of this information. We do post regularly in there about that. And James, you also have a Facebook page at, uh, Attaway audio, right? I just want to make sure I got that correct. Yep. And Instagram too. Instagram too. Okay. He's on the gram guys. He's on the gram. So we'll link all of those things in the description below. And as always, James, my friend, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been an absolute joy and pleasure to nerd out and to learn more about you and what you guys do. So um, do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off today? Uh, just keep up the good work. You know, a lot of our work, uh, you know, with audio, with worship team stuff with technical artists, you know, behind the scenes, getting all the stuff set up. Uh, a lot of it goes unseen and under thanks. Mm -hmm. So I just thank you for, for serving in the secret place. Thank you for serving when nobody sees and says, thank you. And thank you for persevering through that technical thing that really, you know, jabbed you in the ribs and it's still yeah. hurting and you're not sure how to fix it. Thanks for persevering through that and, and doing it for the Lord. So, uh, thank you for, for being, a servant and thank you for uh, serving Jesus. First of all. Absolutely. Thank you guys uh, for all that you do. I appreciate it. All right. So there you are. We've had a really great run again. Thank you, James, for joining me today. And this has been the Boxcast podcast. And so we hope that you guys have a fantastic day and as always happy streaming.